Want to build a thriving business while making a much bigger impact in the world? By becoming known as an influential voice in your industry? The choice versus just a choice with your ideal client? That's exactly what you're going to learn as I interview business experts, industry thought leaders and entrepreneurs who are in the trenches making their mark so you can too. This is the award-winning podcast, The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, and I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show. Now, my guest today says, when your to-do list is a mile long, everything feels urgent. But that is a lie that your brain tells you to keep you in the comfort zone of busy. Ooh. All right. Join me on today's show is Dr. Nicole Byers. She is a neuropsychologist. She's a speaker and she also has her podcast, The Bold Life Podcast, and CEO of Rocky Mountain Neuroscience in Calgary, Canada. She helps individuals to overcome the mental habits that are keeping them stuck in self-doubt, in overwhelm and stress so that they can have the confidence to achieve success. Now, specifically on today's show, she's going to share why perfectionism is bad for your health. Perfectionists, you need to be watching and listening to this podcast. She's going to share three signs that your body is waving a white flag and you could be uh, burning or heading out towards burnout and one simple daily habit to turn off your inner perfectionist and achieve your goals without burning yourself out. So welcome to the show, Nicole. Well, thank you for having me. Perfectionism. I mean, I think we can all relate to that one time or another. However, what we're talking about is when that can become debilitating and it's stopping us from achieving whatever goal that uh, we're, we're working towards. So before we just dive into all of the goodness you're going to share today, share a little bit about your journey on how you got to where you are and why this is a, a topic that you love speaking about. Can you give us a bit of a snapshot? Yes, I'd love to. So way back when I started university, not knowing really what I wanted to do with my life, I think like a lot of us, right? After high school, we go in not sure what we wanted to do. And I got really fortunate. I happened to fall into this wonderful area of neuroscience and neuropsychology where I spent a lot of years studying brain health, you know, why things can go wrong in our brain when we have illnesses or injuries. And I finally graduated after a really long time in university, probably too many years, to be honest. Um, and then I got my dream job at a hospital. I was working on a neuroscience team. And what I had expected to be doing in that job was, again, working with folks who had had injuries or illnesses that had impacted their brains, like strokes or dementia or other neurological conditions. And about half my work was that work. But the other half of my work tended to be patients who would come in, they'd sit down in front of me in my office, and they'd say, you know, my memory is totally shot. I can't keep track of where I left my phone. I left it in the fridge today. I forget where I parked my car all the time. But nothing was wrong with their brains. And the pattern I found for these individuals was it was a lot of high achieving, especially women who are really experiencing burnout. And so that's what really got me interested in understanding more about how some of the mental habits that we learn throughout our lives that can help us be very successful can also work against us, not only in terms of reaching our goals, but can even be bad for our bodies and our brains. Wow. I mean, when you talk about neuroscience, even though there has been many, many years now studying that particular 
modality or, or there's a term for that I can't quite think of, but that particular scope in science, there's still a lot they're learning, but it's a fascinating area of study, isn't it? So you mentioned that there were a number of things, some repeated um, things that your patients were saying to you and you could then see that uh, there was an aspect of burnout there. What are some other things that we should be mindful of that, hey, maybe uh, we need to take a step back because the things that we're doing are not supporting us? What are some other things? Putting keys in fridges? I mean, I think we can all relate to not being able to find out our keys. What are some other common things you started noticing? Yeah, that's a really great question. So you're absolutely right. It's normal for all of us to make mistakes from time to time, right? No one's perfect. We all lose our keys or misplace our phones. That's totally normal. Where we become concerned is where that starts to happen more often. We're feeling really forgetful. Our brains are starting to feel really on edge or overwhelmed. And how this can show up, I find, especially for high achievers, and I'd say most entrepreneurs are high achievers and would fall into that category, is we start to notice things like we're exhausted all the time. If you get up and you're like already tired before you even start your day, or you feel like you just don't have enough energy to get through your day, that can be a really common sign of burnout because our brains are amazing. They can do fantastic things, but they only really have so many resources. And when we are in very busy careers, when we have really high goals, these things are all amazing until we push beyond what our brains and bodies are really able to do. And that can show up just like we're saying in signs like memory problems, problems, in fatigue, even things like muscle tension. If you notice that your shoulders are starting to creep up to your ears all the time, or you're getting a lot more headaches, those can also be physical signs that our brain and our body are just burning out. Yes. And so often as uh, high achievers, what we tend to do is we ignore those, don't we? Till it all compounds and then the body says, well, if you're not going to take control of the situation, I will take control. And then I would imagine the the process, the pathway to uh, alleviating that can take us a lot longer than had we been mindful and taken some action, you know, during that time. So let's talk about perfectionism because I would imagine that that puts a whole other layer on some of the things that we may not even realise that we're doing. Some of us may even think, of course, there's a level of standard that I want to achieve and all of those other things. So tell us, how can perfectionism be bad for our health, impacting our health, and what are some of the things that you see high achieving, particularly women, as you mentioned, can fall victim to this? What are some of the behaviours that you can share with us that, hang on a minute, this is not healthy for you? So there's a couple of questions within that, but let's talk about why is it bad for your health? I know you've already said shared some symptoms, but um, share a little bit more because I think this message needs to be driven home, if I may say that. Yeah, yeah, great question. So... Uh, you know, really what it comes down to is we need to think about how many resources our brain has. So our brain only has so many resources to use every day. Every action we take, every problem we solve, every decision that we make takes up some of those resources. Some activities take more resources than others, right? If, for example, you're driving to work and you take the same route to work every day, if you ever had that experience where all of a sudden you show up at your office and you have no idea how you got there, that's not taking a lot of brain resources, right? Our brains fall into these habits, into these routines, that's really easy. But other tasks take up more of that brain energy and more of that decision-making capacity of our brain. So what can happen is what, when we tend to set very high standards for ourselves, when we say only A-plus work 
is acceptable all of the time when we start to really spend possibly too much time obsessing over some of those details, like reading over an email five times before you send it, or you notice a typo in a report and you stare at it for hours, or you can't get that client project finished and off your desk because you keep reading through and feeling like you could improve it. All of these things are taking up brain resources. And what this does is it drains our energy, it can also drain our motivation, and it can increase our brain and our body's stress response as well. Because our brains say, oh my gosh, now not only am I not doing this perfect, I am also behind because I have been spending so much time on this project. And our brains start to rev up and go into the stress response, which drains even more of those resources and can really take that toll on our body. Makes so much sense. And it becomes this um, compounding cycle, doesn't it? Because then you're, you are anxious and stressful about deadlines not being met. Um, so, okay, so I know that you've already identified a number of these things, but let's just highlight again, what are some of the signs? You say there are three signs that we need to be mindful of that your body really is waving this white flag and you could be heading towards burnout. What are those three signs? Yeah, absolutely. So especially for high achievers, like our fellow entrepreneurs, I would say these are really common signs because just as you mentioned earlier, we have this tendency as high achievers or perhaps overachievers or recovering perfectionists to just keep pushing beyond what we're able to do. And sometimes, you know, that is a really good thing. Sometimes it helps us be really successful. It helps us push through adversity. We're able to bounce back from setbacks. And that is all really good until, like we said, it starts to take a toll. And so often what happens is our bodies, like you said, will throw up that white flag and say, whoa, 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 something is going on before we're even aware that we've taken on too much. And, you know, three of those really common signs for, for high achievers and entrepreneurs, one is fatigue like I mentioned, finding that your energy is just not there anymore, that things seem to be so much harder and you just can't quite get that oomph and excitement that you used to notice before. Again, makes sense, right? Because all these things are starting to drain our brain's resources. No wonder our brain is running low on energy. Our brains actually use 20% of the energy in our body, which is a lot for how tiny they are compared to the rest of our body. So when our brains are using a lot of that energy and that activity, we're going to experience that fatigue faster. Mm -hmm. The second one that I find is really common for high achievers is tension and headaches as well. So what happens is when our brains go into that stress response, our bodies respond too. So if my brain is feeling overwhelmed, if it's staring at that massive to-do list and having no clue where I'm going to start today or how I'm possibly going to get it all done, if I'm starting to feel really behind all the time, our brains go into that stress reaction and our bodies respond with tension. We start to hold it often in our jaws is a common place that we hold that tension in our shoulders, like I mentioned, and that can even lead to headaches because all of these muscles through the top part of our body are very connected. And the third early sign of burnout that I see a lot uh, for high achievers and, and perfectionists is memory errors, like I mentioned at the start. So yes, of course, some of those errors are normal, but starting to notice that you're going into a room and you can never remember why you went in there. You're starting to miss client deadlines, perhaps, because you've totally forgotten that you had this meeting that wasn't on your schedule and it didn't get put in place. And when these things start to build and really impact what you're doing day to day, that's probably a good sign that we need to take a step back perhaps think about what our schedule looks like, think about kind of the, the demands we're really placing on our brains and just how much is feasible for us. 
Yeah. You know, as you're sharing that, there may be some things that are happening that normally you would be able to do quite well. Like, you know, there might be some creativity that you love to do, yet you find even though you've put time aside, you're just not able to put thoughts together. So it's noticing those subtle signs, isn't it, before they tend to get worse. We talked a lot about burnout as being what we can head towards. In your in, in your words, how would you describe burnout? Is burnout very different for different people as well? That may think, well, I, I'm not achieve, not getting to that, but your version of burnout for you may look like this. When we talk about burnout, is there a specific definition to that? Yeah, that's a great question. I agree. I think it's very individual for a lot of us. It really depends. Our bodies and our brains tend to show these signs that we're under pressure or stress uh, in very unique ways. Of course, there are certain patterns and things that we can look for. But um, for example, one of the things I notice that when my brain is at that point of decision fatigue is I start stumbling over my words more. I can't quite think of that word. I'm like, what's that thing? What am I trying to say? Oh my goodness, it's right there. And that's a really early sign for me that I just need to step back a second from what I'm doing and give my brain a chance to recharge. So I think part of that process as well is, yes, we can talk about these common signs, but really recognizing what are those early signs in yourself? When does your body start to tell you, okay, maybe we need to reprioritize or refocus some of that energy? Yeah, so true. You know, as you're sharing about um, not being able to put words together, that that's one of the things that happens to me. And it's like, I just need to zone out. But, you know, there's something else that, uh, you know, we, we've, we've talked about being perfectionism or being perfectionists, and it's trying to achieve perfectionism, the high achievers. Some of us, and I have to put my hand up to this, we do like problem solving. So we do jump in and like challenges. So we need to be mindful that, you um, you know, you know. Yes, we may like to have those challenges, but if we continuously looking for challenges, we're putting and placing so much expectation on our bodies and our minds. And then you've got the external factors that are happening. And um, you know, there's been a lot of external factors that are happening in and around the world. We need to then step back, don't we, and say something needs to happen. I need to change some of my approaches because all of these things together is going to, uh, it's not supporting me. So the, those of us who love those challenges, that puts extra pressure on our brain, doesn't it? Yes, yes, absolutely. Like we said, there are tasks that our brains do really easily. Anything that is more routine, that is almost second nature for us, doesn't take a lot of those resources. Problem solving, challenges, creative thinking is all really demanding on our brain. And again, that's a, a great skill and a great asset to have until we start to push ourselves a little yes. bit too far. And I, I think you made a really great point there too about recognizing how much everything else that's going on around us can impact how we're doing too. Our brains are really good at dealing with short-term stress. They are not so good at dealing with long-term stress. They're really designed to react to emergencies, right? That's how our brains evolved is to help keep us safe so we don't get eaten by the bear, right? So we can run away when we need to. And, you know, one thing I've really seen over the last few years is how this has shown up throughout the pandemic. For example, if you remember you know, two and a half years ago, back in early 2020, when we were all off work suddenly for six weeks, and everyone kind of enjoyed it, right? We all started, I don't know, at least here, everyone was making sourdough bread, they were taking on new hobbies, and they were enjoying the time with their kids, because our brains are really good at dealing with that short term stress. But as the pandemic stretched out over a year, 
and two years into three years. And then we added on uh, social unrest and a lot of other, you know, stressors going on around the world and economic stressors. All of that is really tough for our brains to deal with because our brains can deal with that short-term stress, but they'll go into a long-term stress response, which keeps our brain and our body revved up all the time, which drains even more resources. That makes so much sense. You know, something that uh, I have recognized too, and this is another one of those P words, we talk about perfectionism, but there's also procrastination. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I have found that when I'm on, I'm on. This is the high achievers and often those of us who love those challenges, but we need to have space in our day or our week and our month that we can just switch off. And I have found that, um, you know, those downtimes in some of that procrastination, even though my mind is not switched on, it's still filing things. It's still in the background that then when I go back to do something, I'm on again. And so it's recognizing, you know, sometimes we're told procrastination is really bad. But for some of us, when we do it, it's like intentional procrastination, if that makes sense. It's that space. Speak a little bit more about that because I think this could be helpful for others who may be thinking, well, what do I do, Nicole? What what do I do? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, And just to give you a little bit of basic neuroscience knowledge here as well for anyone who's interested. So that actually really makes sense with how our brains work as well. Let me explain that. So if you have ever, for example, struggled to come up with the name of a person, like a famous person, for example, and you're trying to think of that actor and you can't quite think of it. And then four hours later, when you're driving home, it just randomly comes to you, right? Out of the blue. And that is because what happens when we try to think too hard about one subject in our brains, the neurons, those are the cells of our brain, the neurons that surround that piece of information get overloaded. So what happens is they get inhibited, which means they can't fire or activate as easily. So they actually at the basic neurobiological level of your brain, your brain needs those breaks, right? It needs that break for the cells to recharge. That's why in the shower or on your drive home, you remember that word or that movie that you were trying to think of. And so just like you said, our brains need that space to be creative, to make those new connections, to be able to problem solve in new ways. Because if we're trying to focus too hard on one thing for too long, we essentially burn out that part of our brain. And so in that way, just like you said, sometimes that procrastination, as long as it's not avoiding something you really need to get done, as long as it's procrastination to give your brain space or taking those breaks can be super effective. Yeah. And as you were sharing that, I, I, you know, would love to, to know about that too, but there's a comment here. We've got Karen Tisdale saying an interesting angle, intentional procrastination. You love it. Yeah. I'll give myself certain time, but I wanted to ask you this, Nicole, too. Um, a particular action that we're taking may use a specific way that the brain needs to work. And so then maybe sometimes we're told switch focus, do another task, then that requires a different part of the brain or maybe the brain can then rest. That can also help can't it to go back to that, leave that task, do something else and then come back from a neuroscience point of view. Can you share a bit more about why that might be helpful? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you're right, is that different parts of our brain are required for different types of skills. For example, there are parts of the brain that are required to produce language, for us to speak, for us to understand, for us to read. There are other parts of the brain that are involved in spatial skills and recognizing patterns and creativity. There are other parts of the brain that are involved in more complex problem solving and kind of multitasking, focusing attention. And so just like we were talking about, if we're doing 
doing too much of one of that task, essentially that part of the brain gets exhausted and burnt out. And so if we can switch to using another part of our brain for a while. So for example, if you're working on paperwork tasks, it's a lot of writing, it's a lot of words, switch up to something more creative, whatever that is in your business, whether it's working on podcasts, or if there's a visual, a, a graphic component to your business, for example, doing something in that different modality can free up that space without having to take a real break, you know, totally disconnect, even just give some your brain that space. Yeah, I love that. Um, and now this is just fascinating for me. I mean, I've got my brain is just kind of all of these questions. You know how often in business we're told, look, really stick to your strengths and there's certain areas, you know, obviously delegate them and so forth. You also hear too, even um, when you look at art, say, that opposites, when you combine some of those colours, they can be co quite complementary. I'm wondering that, you know, we, we want to lead by from our strengths, absolutely. But is there any scientific evidence that says even though you may not want to do a particular task because it's not really an area that you enjoy doing, but if we do do this particular task and it uses a part of the brain that normally you don't use through the day, does that impact and, and add value to the part of this, the, the brain that is of a strength? Am I making sense? So yes. use different parts yes. of your brain, even though you may not use one particular area so much, it's still exercise. It's like exercises. You might not like doing squats, but you know that the squats is going to help you automate, you know, your whole body. How, yes, share a bit more about this. Yeah, so that's a bit of a, a yes and a no question. Yeah. I'll, I'll explain that. So, so certainly if we are using different parts of our brain, our brains are amazing learning machines, right? And so learning new skills is fantastic for our overall brain health. It's something that we know from the research that is associated with healthy aging. We live longer even when we do things that are a little bit outside of our comfort zone, when we challenge our brain, whether that's things like regular reading, for example, is a great way to keep your brain active, learning new hobbies, learning a new language, like you said, learning a new skill that's a bit outside of your wheelhouse as well. But the but here is that our brains also don't like to do stuff that isn't fun. And what that means is that if we're doing something that is way, way, way outside what we're comfortable with, our brains can put up a lot of resistance. And so we can get into procrastination that is not helpful because now I don't want to do this thing because it's super hard and my brain doesn't like doing hard stuff, right? So we want to stretch ourselves, you know, just a little bit outside. So we're challenging our abilities, but not so far that your brain says, mm, no, thank you very much. I'm going to go back to the way I was doing it before, if yeah. that makes sense. It does. And it's interesting that you talk about there has to be this element of fun because, you know, again, it's going to be unique to every person. You know, some people might find analyzing spreadsheets are fun, you know, tasks, but for the rest of us, we may think, uh, oh, not so much. Now, Karen brings up a great um, comment here, and I'd love you to speak a bit more about this too, because this talks about, you know, multitasking. And I, I'll share an example of when I learned that multitasking was not a good thing. Um, Karen says, enjoy conversation me too she tries to batch all of her activities which i do too but she can see the importance of switching the the challenges of course which part of the brain is different but the comment that karen is saying here i like batching start to um different or similar t uh, activities together too particularly the activities that i may not necessarily enjoy doing so much uh 
it gets through them far quicker. And then I know when I finish those particular tasks, the fun tasks, the real fun tasks, uh, I can then do after that. Speak a bit more about the value of batching. Yes, absolutely. Batching is fantastic for our brain. It takes advantage of how once our brains kind of get into the groove with an activity, we're more efficient. So when we talked about how it's good to take breaks and to switch, but if we're switching too much, every time your brain has to switch activities, it takes more energy to get refocused. Email is a great example. So if I'm sitting here talking to you and then all of a sudden I'm distracted by an email, I go answer that email, I come back to this conversation, each of those switches uses up brain resources. So that's why batching is so effective. So instead of doing a little bit of podcasting here, a little bit of podcasting there, a little bit of writing here, a little bit there, we do it all at once which is much more efficient because our brain can get into that routine. Where I would say it's a good time to take a break is that our brain can stay focused on any one task for about 60 to 90 minutes. That's kind of the limit of how long we can stay focused on something. So if you are batching, plan those little breaks throughout the day as well. You're going to make the best use of batching and how it it works to our advantage, but also give your brain a little bit of space because you'll notice that as you get close to that 90 minute mark, our attention starts to waver and we get more easily distracted. Yeah, so true. I I promised to share one of the things that I did with the multitasking because for years we were told multitasking was, uh, you know, was something that we wanted to achieve. I deleted my entire website and I clicked the buttons, including the red one, do you really want to overwrite? And it wasn't until I clicked, I was on the phone doing something else, what did I just do? And that was because the brain wasn't focusing. Uh, And then, you know, that was such a a huge reminder for me no more multitasking. Something else that I'd love for you to share a little bit more too. You know how sometimes, and I mean, I, I, I'm generalizing uh, here, men, you'll sometimes talk to them and they're so focused on what they're doing. They sorry. And then they come back to you. Now, normally, when I say normally, again, generalizing, I'm quite good. You know, I'm just noticing because it, it's going to lead to a question because your brain is kind of on. And I don't know if it's because we're mothers and, you know, we're always listening out for what's going on. Do my children need me? However, because I now focus a lot more on tasks, if someone does come on into the room and ask me a question, I do have to look, sorry, I, I don't automatically hear them. Love your feedback on that. When we focus, our brains really focus well or share a bit more about what you found. Yes. So we can certainly train our brain to focus better because you're right. We have been told a lot of hogwash really for a lot of years about the value of multitasking and being able to do 400 things at once, which is actually not how our brains work. Our brains can't actually multitask in that way. They just divide our focus really fast back and forth between the two tasks. So when we are used to doing this, all the way. That is the way your brain is used to working, right? It's used to always being on and being alert for all this other stuff going on. But we can certainly train our brains to stay focused more. And really, we do that through practice. So just as you said, it gets to the point where we are so focused and so in the zone that your brain is actively ignoring all that other stuff that's going on, which is a really good skill. Sometimes annoying when you're trying to get your spouse's attention, I agree, but really effective from a business perspective and being able to zone in and focus on what you need to. If you, If your listeners want a fun experiment, to try themselves. I would encourage them to Google the invisible gorilla experiment. You'll see a video. I don't want to give a spoiler, 
but it's all about, it's just a couple minute video. It's about how we focus attention and how much we can actually miss that's going on around us while we're focusing. So Google the invisible gorilla experiment, watch the video. It's very fun. Yeah. When, when I first did that, I, I was, okay, they're going to ask how many people did this and that. So I'm counting all of the things. Yeah. Uh, we weren't told it was called the invisible gorilla. And even though we then we knew uh, what it was, it was still something that you needed to my, be mindful of. So definitely watch that. There's one other thing uh, that I'd love to ask you about, because I think all of this adds to the, the, the points and the, you know, the importance of being mindful about everything that we do, the environment that we create so that we, uh, what we expend, you know, and, and what we require and take from our brain, we're giving back to it so that it can work optimally for us. Is this, you know, so often um, in a work environment, when you do have team around you, it can be very tempting to duck into someone's office or have this open door policy, which is great. But interruptions, talk about the neuroscience behind, it may only be a five minute in interruption, but getting back into the zone, so to speak, can take a lot longer. So Speak a bit more about that if you could. Yeah, absolutely. See, you're exactly right, is that it takes a lot of effort for our brains to refocus. And we've all been there before. Sometimes we even can't, right? You're so in the zone on this project. You're really in the flow. Your brain is in that state where things are going really naturally. You get interrupted even for a moment and you've forgotten where you were going or that creative process has been lost. And that can really interfere, yes, with our productivity, with our creativity and with our success. So I agree there are certainly benefits of having a very collaborative, collegial work environment. But in terms of how we focus and when we have productive work, it can be really helpful as well to have distraction-free or interruption-free time in your day, that time of the day when you're going to put up that do not disturb sign, for example, and say, you know, this hour and a half is my focus time for this activity. You can interrupt me after that. That allows our brains that space. Yeah. Can you just share, I mean, this is just a question that I'm so interested in, in getting your feedback on too. We know that there have been some um, organisations that have come in to restructure and help other organisations get the best out of their team. And they've created these very much these open door environments, open, I can't quite think of the name of it. There's certain terminologies, but feedback that I've gotten from various team members, because I had someone that I knew very closely was in team such as this she said so many people ended up leaving because their private offices were now taken away they didn't even have a desk that was theirs it was quite open office everyone can be wherever you want to be and for them uh, it was very discomforting to the point where they left because they couldn't focus what have you found are those open doors where there's no offices privacy you know you're just always distracted by noise and conversations going on how is that going to impact our brains yes absolutely that is not a great environment for our brains right for for many reasons one is you're right there are so many distractions and that is just more things that your brain has to now filter out it has to ignore your colleague over here who's typing away that person that's drinking their coffee loudly over here that door that's slamming over there all these things your brain has to now filter out and especially when we don't have a consistent workspace there is quite a bit of evidence that our brains learn and work best when we work in the same environment For 
for example, they do research on students. And if you study in the same room where you're going to write the test, you do better than if you're studying somewhere else. Our brains are what's called contextual learners, which means that context, that environment also helps us learn better. So if I am working at a different space, even if it's in the same room, if it's not the same desk, the same environment all the time, it's harder for my brain to focus, harder for me to problem solve, harder for me to remember what's going on. So yes, from a brain health productivity perspective, perhaps not the best. Yeah, now, they were even told, but the, the consultants that came in, um, you can work on the train. You know, that can be part of your work. Can you imagine trying to focus and concentrate in the train? You can make read or do, you know, listen to podcasts and things like that, but actual productive work, to me, it just, and I'm glad. Thank you so much for sharing that and, and validating that from a neuroscience point of view. All right, we promised to share, or you promised to share one simple daily habit that helps us to turn off our inner perfectionist and achieve our goals without burning ourselves out. What do we do, need to do, Nicole? Yes. So one simple habit that I would encourage everyone to start is to spend five to 10 minutes at the end of every workday and plan your next day in advance. Really plan it out. Sit down with your schedule, put in all those meetings, put in all your goals, for the day. There are a few benefits for our brain from this strategy. One, it means now when you get to your desk in the morning, you don't have to think about what you're going to do. Our brains are the most efficient, the most creative, the most productive we're going to be in the morning. That's when our prime kind of brain efficiency time is for most of us. So if I'm spending the first you know, 20, 30 minutes of my day just getting organized, figuring out my to-do list for the day, I'm wasting that valuable time. So I have it planned the night before. The other thing this helps with is that inner perfectionist tendency to think we can do a lot more with our finite time than we actually can. It's really common for us perfectionists and high achievers to have 20 things on the to-do list, right? <laughs> Realistically, we probably only have time for three or four of those in the day. So when we sit down and block that time in that schedule, block everything else that you have to get done today, like any of those meetings or other things, it makes our brains be much more realistic with those expectations. So we're less hard on ourselves as well than at the end of the day when I've only checked a couple things off because I know that was my plan for the today, which then motivates us to keep going. Yeah, so good. I, I chuckled when you said that about putting so many things on our to-do list. I, I'm one of those people, my husband would say, how long are you going to be? Five minutes. He goes, yeah, I know what your five minutes is. But I remember years ago, there was a colleague uh, and I, what we said was, let's be at each other's accountability partners. At the beginning of the day, we'll email each other our lists of what we're going to work on. And then at the end of the day, we will uh, share what we can finish. So we bookended both ends of the day. And she said to me after a few weeks of doing this, she said, you're just going to have to email that list to yourself because I feel exhausted when I get, you know, when I get it. And um, it, yeah, and I did realise there was, I said to her, look, there are, there's going to be some things, I just put them down, but I'll just put the, the, the three that I know that I need to work on. But it's true, isn't it? I mean, if you've, you've got this list, it really can be a lot of pressure to say, oh, well, I only got three of those things done. Yeah, because two of those things dedicated half the day on each task. So ease up, ease up on yourself. Oh, look, I have just loved this conversation, Nicole. I mean, we, there are just so many other things that I would love to ask you, but I do know uh, value your time and we've just scratched the surface, but this leaves an opportunity for you to share. How can people find out more? You've got a podcast yourself. Share more about that. I'll certainly have to go and subscribe to that. I think there's lots of golden nuggets on your show too. So I would love you to share for people listening and watching today. 
Oh, thank you. Yes, my podcast is called The Bold Life. It's the podcast for high achieving women who are looking to reach their career goals and also have a life outside of work without burning out. So we talk a lot about productivity, a lot about managing stress and the pressures that we put on ourselves like perfectionism, people pleasing and holding ourselves to really crazy high standards and how we can be more confident really as female leaders going forward. So yes, definitely folks can check that out as well. And do you have a website that uh, you can direct people to too? I do. Yes, absolutely. It's drnicolebyers.com. You can find links to the podcast on there as well and a number of other resources around productivity and time management if folks are interested. So please go and check Nicole out. I know that I have uh, certainly learned so much and it's reconfirmed the importance of uh, our brain. So often we think about other muscles and things like that and, you know, our body parts and so forth that we take care of. But our brain directs all of those things that we use. So uh, we need to take care of that first and foremost. So thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, it's Anne-Marie. Before I go, are you a coach or a consultant who feels like the world's best kept secret? Your experience is vast, yet secretly you're frustrated because despite all of your hard work, you're just not getting the visibility, the recognition or new clients you'd hope for and you don't know why? I've created a free resource that'll help you build visibility, generate leads and enroll dream clients with ease because you're seen as a trusted authority, even in a crowded marketplace. And you've positioned yourself as the choice versus just a choice for your dream client. To get started, go to annemariecross.com forward slash gift. That's annemariecross.com forward slash gift. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.